1285 AD, off a beach of Alupa, India, a story takes place that has yet to be told. Light is found in a world full of darkness. A beautiful baby boy is discovered. Luck, blessing, miracle, whichever one chooses to call, the universe knows no such thing called coincidence. A older male native finds this baby, bringing the baby back to his village so he can show his mother. The second his mother takes notice to this baby, a unity instantly forms. Now, this mother and baby's reconciliation was destined to happen by fate. A reuniting promise that is once again kept. The mother and baby's reunion goes way back before 1285 AD. Back before time even existed. Before there were words to give names. Once back in time, this infant and mother lived together in harmony. One eternal state of unconditional love. One would think heaven. Yet, this mother desires. She desires to experience something besides such pure love. Being the mother and baby live as one, the desire becomes mutual. In a blink of an eye, a decision is made. The mother separates herself, falling away from this heaven-like state of being, creating many different dark realities of her own. She will take on many forms over many lifetimes, both male and female. No matter what life this mother may occupy, the choice to separate and fall remains out of free will. This choice was never a consequence to an act of rebellion. This mother was never kicked out of heaven. No matter how many times this mother may fall, her promise will rise again, keeping its place within her heart. But over time, this mother starts to become a stranger to her heart forgetting the experience of such unconditional love. This mother cries many tears throughout many different lives. All her salty tears pile sky high, creating the water of the oceans. But in 1285 AD, off a of beach of Alupa, India, the oceans rest assured. This mother can now be called Agatha. Agatha does not remember the infant she now holds in her hands. Agatha's son Cecil decides to name the baby Rumi. Agatha holds Rumi close to her heart. Now, ever since Cecil brought Rumi back from Alupa to his village in Bedar, the quality of life improves in ways like never before. Who was once a stranger becomes a friend. The poor feel as if they were rich. Rumi can make the most fearful experience love. The new way of life becomes too drastic for Agatha not to notice. Agatha demands an explanation of Rumi's past, answers only a high Google can seek. The temple of Chandrala, North Karnataka, India. A ritual is to be performed. The highest rank of the dynasty will attempt to reveal Rumi's past. Agatha enters the temple with Rumi tight in her arms. As Agatha approaches the altar, a large stone bowl containing pure, sacred water is found awaiting her. Agatha's intuition places Rumi in the middle of the bowl. Cecil's face is seen 
in the reflection of the water. It is Agatha's son Cecil who is the guru standing before Rumi. Agatha's only begotten son comes from a past of royalty, a bloodline generating itself far before 1285 AD. Cecil's forefathers were kings and queens who kept many secrets among themselves. Cecil's ancestors know where Agatha's promise is kept. The most sacred secret of all runs through Agatha's heart. Cecil is the chosen one entrusted to keep this secret ambiguous in blood. This is why Cecil gave Rumi to Agatha. All the parts are now in place. Agatha's heart beats for Rumi, but it is Cecil who can be felt coursing through Agatha's blood. The time is now. The stage is set. The ritual is to be completed. Agatha looks to Cecil in obtainment of Rumi's past. Before Cecil can speak a word, Agatha's nose starts to bleed. Agatha looks down to find a drip of blood in Rumi's water. Agatha looks up to find Cecil gone. Reality starts to become fragile. Time becoming flexible. Rumi's water becomes reflective. Agatha beholds a vision. Man is made in the image and likeness, serpent who lies in the garden. As of now, thy name is Sophia. On the third day of the first week of creation, the Garden of Eden is planted. As the wind blows north to south, air fills with delicious aromatics from the fruit of the trees. Adam catches whiff of the aroma. Eat from whichever tree of your choice. Be certain of the tree of knowledge. As Adam saviors what is forbidden, how the tree shrivels in appearance. Adam's feet cannot recognize the ground he once treaded. Appearing over Adam's horizon, the other side openly reveals itself. How broad and spread this new world appears before Adam. Adam takes residence in what is called the Cave of Treasures. And a treasure this cave is. Yet, compared to the garden, it feels as a prison. What you call misery is a result of transgression. A deep sleep falls over Adam, drawing from his rib what is now called women. Time comes for Adam to marry Eve. On the ninth month, Eve prepares to birth her first child. Bearing inside the cave, Eve endures great pain during labor. The sun comes forth 
shortly following a daughter. The son is called Cain. The daughter, Lulua. Eve conceives again. This time, Eve's labor is painless. Eve begets another son, naming him Abel, along with another daughter, naming her Akila. As the children mature over the years, Adam urges Eve to start the preparation of marriage. Adam must insist Abel to marry Lulua and Cain to marry Akila. Later that night, Cain has a dream. Your parents love Abel more than you. Adam wants to deprive you of what is yours. Kill Abel before the wedding. Cain wakes up with fire in his eyes. Cain finds Abel near a stream by the countryside. Cain slaughters Abel, crushing his head with a stone. Cain marries his sister Lulua, both running away together. Adam and Eve both drowned in their sorrow. Due to a broken heart, Adam and Eve separate for seven years. Eve's tears are dried by a son named Seth. Seth marries Akila. The best way to conceal a lie is to weave the lie with truth. Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Malayal, Yared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Cain. Two folds the name. Enoch, Irad, Manuel, Methshuel. Duplicating another. Lamech. The nature of women can be mysterious. The fruit of their womb always remains absolute. Canaan begets two daughters called Ada and Zila. Lamech takes Canaan's daughters as wives. The mother of Noah is also the daughter of Methuselah. Lamech and his wife both stem from the same father and name of Enoch. But both have different mothers. Seize Mount Hermon from the ground up. Enoch will illustrate the sky falling down. In the days of Jared, top priority is keeping the children of Seth on top of Mount Hermon, away from the children of Cain below the mountain. Seven of the holiest angels decide to stay back from heaven to watch over from above. These angels are known as the Watchers. All seven will remain until every last soul achieves liberation. Among the children of Cain, a son of Lamech is called Genin. Genin's blood is highly susceptible to outside influence. Genin receives instruction on how to build instruments, drums, strings, horns. But Genin's favorite is the flute. 
as the children of Cain play the instruments, the same source responsible for the teachings fabricates itself to the sound making music. The music begins to travel to the top of Hermon. Curiously, the children of Seth peek over, but dare not to come off. Now Seth's kind is equivalent to a great deal of light. The daughters of Cain use the light to their advantage. Acting as a reflection, Seth's posterity perceived the daughters of Cain in seven colors never visible before. All there is left to do is... Come down off the mountain. But the children of Seth don't know how. Ganon, it's me. Direct them towards the west gate. A river will await. The next morning, the horn blows. Seth's children gather. The directions are given. If you go down, you can't come back up. Cain's daughters kindle with the tone of fire in their skin. Lust takes control. Fornication between the children of Seth and daughters of Cain conceive one thing. Chaos. Fire blocks the path back up to Hermon. Yarid, feeling responsible, becomes sick in grief. Four souls remain next to Yarid on Mount Hermon. Yarid warns Methuselah, Lamak, and Noah such actions will lead them into unknown land. Enoch departs his family from Hermon in a journey too inconceivable to express at this time. I promise I will never forget you. Yarid instructs Noah to build a ark. Noah takes the body of Adam onto the ark. Bury Adam on the spot of salvation. Death takes Yarid. Chaos runs wild. Nephilim blood is about to devour the world. Noah, whom is granted insight of a flood to come, never stops trying to preach to the wicked to repent. For 120 years, all the wicked could do is laugh in Noah's face. The hour is at hand. Noah grips tight for life, praying to be remembered. The soothing motion of the sea gently rocks Noah's ark as a mother would rock her baby's crib. Now, prior to the flood, great consternation fell upon Cain's bloodline. Nobody in Cain's generation believed that the luge would come to pass. Irid is next, in turn to acquire the oath of the secret combination, the highest attainable secret. Before Irid vowed to secrecy, Irid has a dream. I read. Repent the evil done, I read. Reveal the secret life may grant you post flood. 
wicked irate actually repents, but misses a set precautionary snare. Irid was never informed Cain is no longer Master Mayhan. It is now Lamech. Lamech knows what Irid has done. Lamech approaches Irid and Irid's son Joram, chopping them both into pieces. Lamech, not knowing an extra pair of eyes, watches from inside a bush. Tubal Cain, Lamech's son, runs back to his mother and aunt, revealing what Lamech has done. Both Ada and Zila confront Lamech. If shall be avenged sevenfold, truly I shall be seventy in sevenfold. Fear restricts air out of both sisters' lungs. Not being able to speak another word, both run off. Lamech kills his own son for revealing the secret. Now Lamech's preaching Cain's vengeance holds irony. One day when Cain was in the field of Damascus, the blinded Lamech awaits. With the help of a shepherd, Lamech murders Cain in the same fashion Cain killed Abel. When Ada and Zila learn Tubal Cain has been killed, both flee with the rest of their family to the land of their father, Canaan's city. Revealing all they experienced, this is how Namah came to dwell with the generations of Seth. Turns out, Namah happens to be a very gracious woman. Namah's benevolence is overshadowed by a false word. The warm-hearted Namah does not go unnoticed by Noah. Noah, at the age of 498 years, is asked to take a wife. Noah is timid to bear children, understanding there is a flood to come. Yafeth, Shem, and Ham all enter the ark before the deluge came about. Now, while Adam and Eve were still in the Garden of Eden, Samal, along with his son, approached Eve in request. Eve kept an eye on the lad. When Adam came back from a walk in paradise, he finds Eve with a howling child. The agonizing howl mimics the sound of a baby lion. Eve tells Adam it's a Miles child. As the howling progressively gets worse, Adam, in vexation, kills the boy with a blow to the head. Yet the corpse still does not cease to stop howling. Adam then cuts the body into pieces. Still, the howling won't stop. Finally, to rid himself of the plague, Adam eats the boy's body. When Samal appears for his son, Adam claims to have no remembrance of anything, denying Samal's son ever existed. Samal is furious. Go hence, father. I have penetrated the heart of Adam. 
Never again shall I quit his heart, nor the hearts of all his generation to come. Samal departs, Adam. Fear not. I will give you the remedy to prevail over blood. I will grant you truth. Envious angels grow jealous of what is promised to Adam, throwing Adam's promise deep beneath the sea. Adam searches everywhere in vain. With no result, fear not. Prior to the waters preparing for the deluge, Noah came upon a book guided to him by the waves. The book contains both celestial and earthly knowledge. Noah studies the book until enough wisdom is cultivated to construct the ark. All knowledge is broken down in three chapters. Noah uses wisdom for his own advantage. The animals construct the ark for Noah. Noah never has to lift a finger. Noah determines which animal to let on board and which not. Those granted admission must first prostrate themselves under Noah. Among the animals, two cubs and a mother bear approached Noah. The cubs have trouble laying down before Noah. The mother arises to assist. Noah leads only the two cubs on board the ark. The flood is conceived by the union of male water above the firmament with the female water retained on earth. The space needed to share water is created when two stars are removed from the constellation of the Pallades. In order to put a stop to the flood, two stars are transferred from the constellation of the bear to the Pallades. This is why the bear chases the Pallades. She wants her two children back. In the midst of sharing water, a creature too peculiar for words comes to Noah for admission. Admission denied. Noah is only taking animals on board by the pair. This creature seeks a companion similar in likeness. The creature meets Miss Fortune. She will abide to the creature's wish under the condition she may appropriate whatever her partner may earn. Agreement is made both leak through the space of Pallades coming from the Draco constellation, whom neighbors the bear. As Noah steps forth off the ark, a opposite world awaits, opposite of the previous antediluvian world. Supreme wisdom leads Noah to construct an altar in Jerusalem. The only problem is, while Noah was in the ark, he forgot to feed his ration to the lion. The hungry beast struck Noah, naming Noah permanently. Noah cannot perform priestly services with such defect. Therefore, Noah places his son Shem as Melchizedek, the highest priestly title attainable. 
Noah tries to rectify his glory by fulfilling the order given by Arid. Noah takes Adam's body burying beneath the land where salvation is to come. Where Adam is buried, a vine begins to sprout. Noah rips the vine from the ground along with the roots. This root belongs to the same tree Adam once ate from. For Adam's sin was the sin of blood. This blood runs deep beneath the earth's veins. Noah takes the vine to cultivate the richness of its qualities. Noah indulges, relishing the wine produced. Noah becomes drunk in blood, making Noah a man of the ground. Noah enter his wife's tent in drunkenness. Noah's son Ham enters the tent, taking notice. She's so beautiful. She now appropriates whatever her partner may earn. As Ham's eyes fill with a fiery glaze, Ham beholds all of Noah's transparency. Ham sees the word embodying Noah's inner light. Ham calls Shem and Yapheth, both entering with their faces backwards, covering Noah's nakedness. The first man had but two sons, and one slew the other. This man Noah has three sons, yet he desires to beget a fourth besides. Ham attempts the denial of Noah's procreation. Stealing Noah's book, Ham flees with her to Egypt. Noah awakes from his drunkenness, realizing what has happened. Noah curses the culprit responsible for luring Ham. Noah curses Canaan, the last-born son of Ham yet to come. Shem and Yapheth are rewarded for not following in their brother's way, yet both take their compensation in different ways. Shem is placed in higher regard than Yapheth. Being Shem is Melchizedek. The lust of Noah's three-facet compensation grows so immense all three of Noah's sons now have wives. Ham builds a city after the image and likeness of his wife. Yapheth grows envious of Ham, fleeing in the opposite direction of Ham building a city after his wife. Only Shem stays with Noah, honoring his wife. When Ham stays, it's always hot. Yapheth stays where it's cold. But Shem stays in the middle, where there is the perfect blend between both. The fourth holds them all. All blood stems from one of three lineages. Descendants are either Shemitic, Hamitic, or Yaphethites. All blood is created with equal opportunity. Shem bears five sons, 
one of which springs the land of Assyria. Japheth begets in the number of seven. Ham's fifth son is called Canaan. Canaan's offspring will avenge sevenfold. Noah's son starts to appoint kings over each of their own lineage. Shem's line is appointed Yokden. Japheth's lineage goes to Phenage, while Nimrod rules over Ham's people. This is how Nimrod got the reputation of being a descendant of Ham. Nimrod is the son of Shem. Assyrians venture to the land of Babylon. Let us make bricks writing the name on each. All agree, except twelve. We will not make bricks, nor remain with you, for we know but one God, and to it we serve. Even if you burn us with fire, we will not walk in your ways. All three kings staggered by such faith. The twelve are seized. Nimrod orders all twelve to the fire. Only Yachtin proposes an alternative, giving all twelve men seven-day respite. Plan approved while the twelve men were locked in Yokten's house. He mounted them on mules, sending them away into the mountains. All took part, except for one. This man is called Abram. Nimrod comes to collect the men, only to be greeted by Abram. On the account, eleven others broke free during the night. One is better than none. Abram's faith is never rattled. Now, upon Abram's birth, the stars sung. A bright star coming from the east consumes four corner stars of the heavens. Nimrod's astrologers noticed the omen fifty years prior to Abram's birth. The Chaldean interpretation is brought to Nimrod's attention. A plan is devised to purchase Abram as a baby from his father, Terah, son of Nahor, line of Shem. Terah is chief commander to King Nimrod. Give up the child before misfortune appropriates herself. Terah admits Aon, the son of Morad, came to him in desire of purchasing his steed a precious gift given to Terah by Nimrod. Nimrod is insulted of the thought to sell such a treasure. Bowing before the king, how can Nimrod hold a horse in such high regard and expect Terah to give up his very own son? Before Nimrod can lash out, Terah's request to talk matters over with Abram's mother is granted. Three days later, Nimrod demands Abram or Terah's whole family will be killed off. Out of panic, Terah passes a baby from one of his concubines, claiming the baby is Abram. The wicked Nimrod disposes the baby. 
while Abram is sent with a nurse out of Babylon. As years pass, Abram is a thought of the past. Spending ten years in a cave, thirty-nine of Abram's years are spent with Shem. Back in Babylon, Terah worships twelve handmade idols as gods. Abram sets forth back to Babylon. Pleasantly surprised, Terah cannot believe Abram is still alive after forty-nine years. Terah shows Abram his inner chamber of idols. While Abram is left alone, Abram destroys all of Terah's idols. Terah is forced to tell Nimrod. Abram is seized and brought before the king. Nimrod does not know who Abram is, or why have you broken Terah's idols? There is no life in false gods. While Abram sits in a prison cell, Chaldeans realize who Abram really is. This is the boy warned to you fifty years ago. Why is he not slain? Terah is brought before Nimrod. Terah admits to deceiving Nimrod, yet is still granted the chance to live if Terah will admit who thought out such a plan. Again, Terah panics. Putting false blame upon his other son Haran, both Haran and Abram get thrown into the fire. Haran instantly turns into ash. Abram does not. Abram can coexist with fire. Abram's faith to the fire reconverts many, again staggering Nimrod. Three virgins of the loins of Ham die singing in such faith. Again, Abram is to be killed upon the altar of Potiphar's hill at the head of Olishem. An earthquake loosens Abram's cords. Abram escapes carrying the covenant originating from Shem. Along with Abram is Terah, Abram's nephew Lot, Milcah. Daughter of Haran and Sarai, Abram's sister, Abram heads to the land of Canaan, stopping in Haran along the way, building an altar in Jershon, Shechem, then finally reaching plains of Mount Moriah. Intense famine redirects Abram from East Bethel into the land of Mother Egypt. The night prior to Abram entering Egypt. Abram is forewarned what to expect via a dream of cedar and a palm tree. Word gets back to the Pharaoh of Egypt regarding the beauty of Sarai. Abram, in good faith, lets Sarai go to the Pharaoh. Not long after, a curse spreads out among the land of Egypt. No male. Is able to lay with their wives. Eventually, this leads the Pharaoh to hand Sarai back to Abram. Abram now goes by the name Abram. Ham. Abram departs Egypt with compensation given by the Pharaoh. Now Abraham's sister Sarah is given a handmaid called Hagar. 
Lot becomes jealous of Abraham's riches. Abraham splits his wealth with Lot. Abraham goes one way, while Lot heads towards Sodom. Barrenness is a burden to Sarah. Abraham's greatest desire is to beget a son. To fulfill Abraham's hopes, Sarah places Hagar's womb before her own. The outer men of flesh can be heard just as well as the inner man of spirit. Abraham begets Ishmael through Hagar, Ishmael representing the flesh of man. The curse of barrenness lifts from Sarah's womb. Sarah and Abraham beget a son called Isaac. Isaac is the epitome of everything Abraham could ever ask. Yet there comes a time in every man's life when the choice between fear and love must be made. Abraham is instructed to sacrifice his son Isaac upon the altar of Mount Moriah. Such an act illustrates the detachment of Abraham's greatest earthly desire for the higher attainment of the soul. The irony is, when such an act is made in ultimate faith, There is no sacrifice being made, only attainment. An achievement not recognizable to the fleshly body. Abraham is not allowed to demonstrate his everlasting faith. Abraham's faith is already sealed. The covenant is... Life's a coat of many colors It is never black and white Can't have one without the other The dark without the light In the summer we were lovers With the flame our hearts would burn A flame the autumn would smother And leave this heart to yearn Such times will never keep I found a new smile this morning That doesn't come out as a frown A smile to wear 
tears of this clown for 